Yeah. Okay. Hello and welcome back to the Time Turner Collective episode two. This month we'll be talking about Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick, which is also known as Blade Runner. We have a very special guest this week. That is me. I'm the special guest. It's Jonas. That is me. Hello. <laughs> Do you have anything to say about yourself apart from you're also known as Jonas? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a film student. I study cinematography. So I guess Blade Runner is a good choice to um, to do a podcast on for the Time Turner Collective. Yeah. That's, what, that's why you picked you this month. <laughs> I'm really, really happy. We've both read the book. Jonas hasn't. I haven't. <laughs> but it'll be nice to see like the different perspectives on everything in life. And I feel like... I'm not entirely sure because we haven't actually talked about this beforehand. Like, none of us have talked about Blade Runner together. Um, But I feel like me and Laura both preferred the book to the movie. Whereas I think you're quite a big fan of the book, of the movie, sorry. I'm not a big fan of the movie, but I do love the film. I do love the film. I was a bit, eh, about both of them. So. Oh, Oh. Yeah. Okay. That is interesting. So we have all three sides. Yeah, I wasn't, I was was quite neutral about it. Yeah, I was all right. Okay. We'll see. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Just another Ridley Scott film. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. I really liked all of his other films because I mm. looked at what else he made. And I was like, I, I love this. So then... I what it. else has he made? Alien. That was not the one I was looking at. I was looking at... Oh, Prometheus, Gladi- Gladiator. Oh. The Martian? The Martian, yes. I was looking at The Martian because mm. that's our book for October. It is, oh. yeah. I, I, was th- I saw this. Um, I didn't know that he did The Martian as well. And I haven't seen The Martian either. But it's interesting that we've managed to choose two books that were adapted by the same director. I just think that's really interesting coincidence. Yeah. And he also did Thelma and Louise. I was going to say that, yeah. Yeah, which I also really like. And also, I like to say I like the second Blade Runner a lot more than I like the first one. See, I've never watched the second one. Yeah. I've only watched the first one. I wonder if um, I'm really, really interested um, if the second film kind of reveals more about about who's who. What do you mean? <laughs> I forgot his name. Um, what's the guy's name? Um, Rick Deckard. Yes, I I wonder if um if they're gonna reveal if um he's a robot or not. Also, I just saw Ridley Scott also did Murder on the Orient Express, Ooh. oh, which is September book for September. Oh my god! No, uh, yes, yeah, November, I November. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah. So we have two months in a row later on. He really, he really just loved our books. Yeah. We should probably say at this point that all three of us are really tired because we stayed up to watch the Oscars last night. So this might be quite chaotic. Oh, do you mean the Parasite Awards? (laughs) (laughs) And yes, deserved. Well deserved. deserved. Yeah. Great film. Not my type, but great film. Anyway, horror. That was the bit I didn't like about Blade Runner. It was the horror bit. The last 10 minutes where it just gets buck wild. Anyway, Mm. we'll talk more about the film later. We have some lovely, lovely context for the 60s. I was going to talk a bit about other writers that were around at the moment, one of which is my absolute queen, Joan Didion, which I've talked quite a bit about at work with these guys, because she's just amazing. She just, like, she works for Vogue, the New Yorker. Yeah, she just travelled around America and wrote, like, whatever the fuck she wanted. It was great. Other people around was John Le Carre, 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 yes. for... Um, 
Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which I think is our book for the 70s. And I think there isn't that much difference because this is 1968. And I think the one we're doing for the 70s is like 71, 72. So if you think about it in terms of like actual distance of years apart, this one and the um, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy are fairly close together. And I feel like that kind of comes through in the themes. Not that I've read Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy yet, but from what I know of it, it makes sense that these two are similar. Yeah, they're quite spy-like, both of them. Another person who was around was Essie Hinton. She wrote The Outsiders, Absolute Queens, my favourite book. If you've listened to the first episode, you'd know. And it's the year both me and Amelia's dads were born. 1968. <laughs> oh <laughs> Shout out God. to to the Roberts. Amazing. <laughs> so yeah, that that's the context I had. Does anyone else want to say something about the 60s they really loved? I think it's interesting to put into context that this book was written in 1968 which is obviously when the space race was huge it was the year before mm, we landed on right. the, america landed on the moon and there was obviously or tension did we? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a conspiracy theory podcast laura we landed on the moon okay <laughs> raw oh. intro <laughs> <laughs> i don't know all i know is that um the the russians were the first one in space and a dog true. You know how many dogs they had in, in um, the Soviet Union that were named Laika? No, do so you? So many. <laughs> oh, I was like, are we going to get a number now? Is this going to come in handy with my future of quizzing? <laughs> that would be a very um, interesting fact to, to hold. Yeah, that that's my context. Yeah. Does that mean we move on to the book now? Or do you have... Yeah, let's go. Let's move on to the book and the movie. I'm sure we'll probably end up comparing them as we go, so... I think that's how this is going to be. <laughs> we'll find out. Okay. Yeah. So the book was written and uh, published in 1968. The movie is... 1982. 1982. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. However, the book is set... Was originally oh. set in 1992 and was later changed to 2021. And the film is set in 2019. That's right. Yeah. So Actually, I think it starts by saying that it's November 2019. Yeah. So we have the... 60s we have the 80s we have the 90s we have the 10s and then the 20s this covers five decades this is truly a time traveling piece of media you could yes. have said collective there you oh. could have said a collective, you could have said collective. I but can't yeah believe. if the film started in november 2019 that like it goes on for more than a month right does it like the time span yeah absolutely. that might mean that it's like happening now while we're recording it yeah, I mean, at least, you know, our world is slightly different than the world. Thankfully. At least hot, <laughs> painted. Actually, are we that far? I'm not sure. At the moment, I think we're a little bit far away, but I feel like within possibly a decade, we'll be much closer to the world that Ridley Scott slash Philip K. Dick have created. Yeah, Absolutely. like 2049, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> And as a little introduction, we're going to ask each of our guests the same question. So, Jonas, Jonas, depending on what mood you're in. <laughs> Sorry, this is going to be a wrong joke now. What's what's your Hogwarts house? Do you know? Have you ever taken a test? Yeah, I have. I've actually taken it a few times, but I think I think the first time it was Slytherin. Yeah. And then... <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel like that makes sense knowing you i think i if i was to guess i would probably say that you were a slytherin yeah or like a gryffindor yeah I, and then the second time i got gryffindor yeah, yeah. see there you go <laughs> but i guess they are quite close right That's they the are yeah like the the hard-working kind of um i think bravery and ambition crossover in yeah. 
lots of people. Like, do you just do stuff or do you just do dumb stuff? Like, mm-hmm. it's a it's a very thin line. That's right. <laughs> um, but Slytherin is more, I guess. Um, a, the more dark cunning. Side. Yeah. 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 There's some good Slytherins. Mm. Limited. Limited. But they are there. Some of the best characters. Some of my favorite characters were from Slytherin. Yeah. But there's a different difference between good characters and good people. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, Snape. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, what's your favorite spice? Are you a hater of Snape? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this is my brand on Instagram. Um, I yeah, I don't like Snape either. Or Dumbledore. But that's a different that's a different kettle of fish. A different different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a branding about hating Snape and I sold merch. You sold merch. Yeah, it was hashtag can't hate Snape alone. It's still going strong on Instagram. Amazing. I know. But favorite spices. <laughs> Do you have any? Favorite spices? <laughs> um, I, I can't go anywhere without oregano. Oh. I just, Interesting. I, <laughs> Bit of a left field by respecter. <laughs> yeah, I just put oregano in everything. But also I love, I love, love, love basil. And when I went to, um, oh, this sounds so pricky. But when I when I came back from Bali, um, you know that? Uh, <laughs> <Your> cap, yeah. <laughs> My cap, yeah. No, um. When I came back from Bali, I bought like the cheapest saffron ever. Mm-hmm. Probably like two pounds. I got like the best saffron. And I still use it every day. That sounds great. Have Have we said ours before? Yeah, we have in our introduction because we had paprika and cinnamon. We did. Yeah, that's that's us. Paprika and cinnamon. I love Solid. That. No, I love paprika and cinnamon. <laughs> yeah, same. But they're like so like morning time, dinner time, yeah. and I'll have both. Yeah. We'd make really good rice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you mix this is the plans for after. <laughs> I'm down. I'm fully down. I'm yeah. fully down too. Then, favorite book or film in your case, if you want to, or both. Or both. Um, I mean, favorite film. That's like a question I get asked all the time. Um, I don't really have one. It always, it always changes depending on my mood. Right now, I'm feeling more of um, Parasite. <laughs> Parasite, perhaps. Yeah, but also. Anything that's like French or um, by Jean-Luc Godard um, sounds really pretentious. If there's any film students listening, I'm so sorry, but I really love Jean-Luc Godard. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. And a book? I'm currently writing my dissertation on American indie cinema and a theorist, a queer theorist, Ruby Rich, she wrote a book about new queer cinema where she distinguishes a different style of movement of, of films called the nuclear cinema which was kind of came out of the hiv crisis back in the 80s it's a really really good book oh very interesting very interesting, interesting. very very deep we were just like i like harry potter too <laughs> oh no i love harry potter <laughs> harry potter is the shit <laughs> yeah talking about books roll the intro okay let's start with the do we want to talk about the protagonist then yeah, let's talk about the protagonist because I feel like he's really different in the book to the movie. Mm-hmm. So in the book, he has a wife for for oh. one, um, yes. which is a very interesting change to the movie because in the book, he has a wife, but he is still interested in Rachel. Okay. Also, reading the book, even though I knew that Harrison Ford played him in the movie, I did not picture him as Harrison Ford. I think my problem was is that it doesn't start with him. It starts with Rick. I believe what's his name rick rick, rick. Yeah. oh yeah it does he's, he's never mind yeah and but you also have the narrative voice from um john isidore yes and mm. i thought he was going to be harrison ford okay so he in the film is sebastian someone sebastian 
Okay, that's right. The weird guy with the dolls. That's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, but in the book, he's just this guy who lives in a flat and he's kind of stupid, but, but which is why he doesn't go to Mars because the whole thing is that the more intelligent people have already moved to live on Mars and the androids are escaping from Mars because they don't want to be the slaves of the intelligent bridge. Mm. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's, that's completely right. I agree. Yeah. It was just weird, in my opinion, because I felt like the biggest part of the book with like the characters and stuff are not really shown in the film. For instance, there's no electric sheep at all in the film. And I love that title. Do androids dream of electric sheep? I just think it's such a clever title. And I understand that Blade Runner sounds more like an Academy Award nominated film. If you know, if you know what I mean, like it's, it rolls off the tongue slightly better, but Blade Runner it's it's not even a phrase that's uttered in the book, yeah. which I found really interesting. Because they're yeah they're called retirers in the book. There's nothing oh. there's nothing to do with Blade Runners. Oh okay. Yeah. Wh- wait so um, electric sheep. What what is what is that exactly? Is that they they just have pets, but they're electric because there's no life anymore. That's right. So they get their status by getting a pet, and he he only has an electric sheep, but he really wants to get a real sheep. Oh, I see. That's right, because it explores that entire notion of nature being obsolete and non-existent, which is why it was completely destroyed by humans. Yeah. It's kind of brought back to life by robots. I don't know if anyone can hear in the background, but there's we're currently in the middle of a massive storm, which has become hail in the last hour, and we can definitely hear it on the walls of the studio. So if you can hear that, you're welcome. It's kind of calming, I feel. Yeah, yeah like it's like a nice ASMR thing. It's, it's our ASMR of the month. <laughs> the the rain in the background quite nice yeah feels good go. Wait. how much of you can catch that we'll try to make it really loud <laughs> i could definitely hear it on the headphones yeah, yeah. it was nice it was yeah. nice yeah i had one problem with the book at the start which is also seen mm. in the film the names are awful i'm sorry they were the most harry potter names fred no it was rick deckard then we mm. had the second person named barb ball then we had Fred Washbourne, which I quite liked. But then it goes on. His wife's name name is Iran, which is not even in the in the film, but f- sure. Like Irene or No, Iran, as in the country. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Damn. But then John Isidore, I good name. Um we have Maggie Klukman, Hannibal Sloat, Wilbur Mercer, Anne Marston, Harry Bryant. I'm sorry, I just was really just what names <laughs> is this is this in the book yeah i was gonna say because who are these characters yeah <laughs> and there's frank merriwell i've just at this point to be honest i was just writing down every name i saw i was like this is bullshit jk <laughs> rowling even did better than this <laughs> just having none of it wait sorry can we go on a little side note yes um did you have you been updated with like the current kind of controversy caused by jk rowling oh, she's a turf yeah it's really sad yeah I, I'm not normally one for separating the art from the artist, but I feel like because J.K. Rowling has this massive fandom surrounding Harry Potter, Harry Potter has become something that is out of J.K. Rowling's hands. And I definitely feel like at this point, the things she's trying to add actually take away from Harry Potter. So basically, we don't stand. We absolutely don't. So yeah, fuck J.K. Rowling. <laughs> because what's happening right now doesn't even fit into the canon. And I know we could probably make an entire podcast about just what's wrong with Harry Potter right now. Or if just you like want <laughs> us to, let us know. <laughs> the sequel. I'm sure you want to. <laughs> 
Yeah, really sad though. Yeah. yeah but there like was childhood there was one <laughs> joke that I saw that was based on something I saw in the book, which definitely didn't make it into the movie, but I really felt, I found it hilarious. There's one point, I've written it down as page 24, but I don't have the book in front of me, so I can't verify exactly what was said, but it just said The Killers. I think they're named The Killers. And my joke was, are we human or are we android? (laughs) (laughs) That's awful. I wrote this down, but then um, my note is concept of The Killers. I did air quotes here. You can't see it, but they are there. Definitely. Um, and then it said, bring veganism. Hot take. <laughs> I'm not sure what this means, but me of the past was loving it. I have a lot of quotes where I'm just like, it's not, it's not really making sense to me right now. I was really obsessed with food and owls. Yeah, I definitely feel like, are, okay, so are the people who live in this society vegan? They must be because there's no animals. So they must be vegan. Surely. Yeah. I mean, the very one of the very first the very first note I have is that they have an obsession with oats and breakfast. Okay. Is this Laura? It is, but also that kind of links to veganism in a way. They like the animals because there's no real animals, surely. Yeah, and also, um, I think it's a it's a scientific fact that in in a few hundred years, humanity is going to become vegan because, you know, the pollution is actually, um, going to make the meat uneatable. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That was a very um, dark dark thought but i guess it's good for the animals right? no i mean the pollution isn't good for the animals but but yeah like but it good. will be good eventually because yeah. then if we don't can't eat the animals we'll go down the pollution and then we can eat them again it will be a cycle exactly hopefully yeah is that what we have to say about the protagonist <laughs> oh, okay is that what so we're supposed to talk do you about? do you want me to get into my thoughts on harrison ford as a protagonist in the movie do it yes Okay, so basically, what an asshole. The notes are coming out. <laughs> She's grabbing a notebook. <laughs> Go on. My my main point was that scene in the movie. I feel like we should address it. The rape one? The rape scene. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I My notes are... <laughs> yes. Why is he angrily throwing her around? And then I angrily wrote... It is not sexy to make people scared of you. And then I I quoted where he said, say kiss me. And I just put, fuck off. She doesn't want this. Why does he rape her? The actual fuck. That They were my notes as I was watching it. And yeah, I kind of agree with me watching the movie now. Mm. Yeah, just, just, yeah. just no. Her, her thing was just kind of like the idea of like the quirky girl was born there. A bit. She is the manic pixie dream girl as a robot. Do you have any opinions to defend this or are you just fully agreeing? Yeah, I guess it plays with the notion that, you know, we're actually unsure if Deckard is, um, if he's an actual robot or if he's human. Because when you think about it, that whole rape scene, mm-hmm. if, we, if we're calling it rape scene officially. Sexual assault, maybe. Not full on rape, but... Mm. It was It was quite... Um, debatable. Yeah, it was. It was. It quite was fairly clearly like non-consensual. Yeah. yeah. Like she, he asks her to say that she wants it, and yeah, she doesn't seem to be enjoying it at any point. Yeah, but th- that's the point with it. Like two seconds afterwards, she's like, "Yeah, all right," which made me like, "No, that's not how it would go." Which is kind of like you can see that it was kind of made by a man being like, "Woo, let's get the ladies." 
I think it's definitely more of a problem with sci-fi and sci-fi movies being made by and for men. And mm. I think that in that case, it definitely ages the movie. But, you know, it, Thelma and Louise was made by the same um, by the same director. And oh, Thelma yeah, and Louise true. is one of the first, like, feminist... Well, I, w- I don't want to call it feminist, but it was kind of... No, but yeah. But in They're a way powerful. it is. Yeah. yeah, because they were powerful women and it explored sexual abuse and it explored patriarchy. It was, it was a very powerful film at that time. And actually the first one that kind of really represented the female perspective yeah no that's true though and i guess the sec like the inequality is already seen in the book so in that way he did do a good job of adapting what's actually going on and you can see that that maybe is also just part of the problem with the world that maybe he was just doing that while being aware of that it wasn't a great thing yeah and part of me wonders whether it is because she's an android and therefore isn't human that it makes it more acceptable possibly to him or possibly to the screenwriters or the director. But don't you, yeah, exactly. Don't you think that the replicants um, are actually more somehow human than humans? That's what the second film is entirely about because it uh, stars Ryan Gosling, Reynolds Gosling, one of the Ryans, one of the many. (laughs) And it's La La Land. No. Um, (laughs) Goes up and dances with Emma Stone. (laughs) Beautiful. I love La La Land. Can I I just take a moment just to appreciate La La Land? The color schemes are great. Yeah. Guys, I feel bad for saying this. I feel like I'm such a show off, but I actually. Like right after La La Land came out, I went to Los Angeles and um, I I went to the set and I I we took every like the entire group took La La Land photos with the little really you know, the little that's so cute yeah La La Land is the only reason I would ever want to go to LA and yeah. the new Academy um, Museum that they announced last night at the Oscars those are the two reasons I would ever want to go to LA oh. avocado and toast <laughs> <laughs> I've said my bits goodbye this was the podcast. <laughs> 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 the vegan restaurants. <laughs> Malibu Beach. Also, I saw a naked body in Malibu Beach, and that was crazy. Nice. Yeah. Um, I have one thing to say, which is that apparently Ridley Scott never actually read the book. The screenwriters, um, based on one quote in the book, began to question whether Rick Deckard was an android. And in the book, it is very he questions it himself, and then it is proven that he is not. He takes the test and it, he is clearly human. But in the but in the movie, they saw this one quote in the book and decided to run with it. And then post movie, because there were lots of different versions. Mm-hmm. And after the movie, they started to put in hints that he was an android. And I think in the original version, which is the one that I saw, I believe he is not. But it's in the director's cut and then the final cut where you begin to question it yeah in the version i saw it's also it was quite clear that he wasn't Mm. but then in the second one it's especially clear because it's ryan gosling's (laughs) Uh mission as an android to kill him because they're scared that he's going to kill the other androids but then do you mind if i spoil bits no spoil the bits. okay here's a spoiler warning for blade runner 2049 ryan reynolds thinks Gosling, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Reynolds, though. Mm -hmm. (laughs) On that note, no. Um, Ryan Gosling actually thinks that he is the son of Harrison Ford and Rachel. Oh. Yeah, turns out he isn't. But but they they did get a child 
which is because they find Rachel's body somewhere in the thing in after he's murdered one of the Nexus AIDS people and then find Rachel's body and it turns out she was pregnant, but it couldn't have been because she was a robot. Yeah, I was going to say, can replicants have babies? Yeah, I was going to ask that. Wow. The, that's so weird. Yeah, that's what the entire thing's about because they're like, holy shit, can they have babies? And then they go to like factories and there's all like robot babies working there. And like it's like slave trade, how they're like forming an army of babies, That's and then horrible. there's a revolution of the robots being like we're more human than them because we can even have babies and we don't murder each other. Wow! I know it was That's actually really good, and they didn't have the weird n- thing about the film. It was, I loved it yeah. until like the last twenty minutes, yeah, when it goes insane. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting the difference between the androids in the book and the movie because in the book the androids only want to live an ordinary life and not be owned by the rich people on Mars, whereas in the movie they want to extend extend their lifespans, which their motives change the dynamics between the humans and the androids in the movie. So in the book they're generally more empathetic until they're living the four androids are living with John Isidore. And there's this scene where they, I don't know if you remember it, where they're pulling the legs off the spider. There's a spider and they like brutalize the spider because it's obviously, animals are rare and they're just taking the spider apart and it's really, really grim. Yeah, in the book, they're basically human until it's proven that they're not, like they're threatened in a way. And then they, but like in the film, they almost set out immediately to kill each other. The androids are a lot more aggressive and just weird in general. And in the book, they're kind of established as important figures within the society. So the female android in the movie, who's called Zora, um, is a stripper, whereas her like mirrored character in the book is Lubilov, who is a opera singer. So an opera singer is a lot more respected, re- yeah, respected within society than a stripper and well-known. So her position would mean that if she was killed off it would be noticed and that's what they kind of aim to do in the book okay so my my favorite part of the book do you want to guess what my favorite part of the book was i actually have no clue like genuinely no clue at all i don't know the point where i realized i really liked it was when he was arrested and taken and that's and when they claimed that he was a android and that his police department didn't exist do you remember that bit no, I don't. <laughs> Wait, what? I read this book. I just want to say, I read this book um, about two months ago now on a holiday while drinking pina coladas. Um, yeah. I read it on the train to go and see Laura in Amsterdam. So that was, that was a great time. So in the book, Rick Deckard, when he tries to kill Lubelov, the opera singer, is taken to an alternative police station and questioned and they claim that his police force doesn't exist and you literally just question everything that you've read so far. It's about a third of the way through the book and you're just there like, what is happening? Or at least I was. Do you know what chapter that is, maybe? Because I have my notes per chapter. Page 84. Bags, that's like, fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that's like chapter three. Oh, okay. That's I was looking like chapter 20. Chapter three... This is before Rachel moves in with John? Yeah, I think so. But Rachel doesn't move in with John. Yeah, she does. It's the girl who looks like her. No, but she's also called Rachel. They also call her Rachel. Oh. 
Which is why I was really confused in the uh, book because there were two Rachel. So I thought that one of them was going to be human and the other one was going to be a robot. And he, he was going to have to, like John Deckard was going to have to kill Rick Deckard, Rick Deckard, was going to have to kill the robot one, but then he accidentally killed the real one. I thought that was going to happen. I wrote a lot of predictions on here, which did not happen. I was really planning on him getting Owl, and I really thought that Owls were going to be a really big part in the film. The film has a total of zero Owls, I believe. No, it has one. It has, <gasps> it has it? a very like popular scene that's, uh, that has an Owl with the kind of, you know, the little shimmer in the eye. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I have so are, many notes about Owls. Yeah. <laughs> and eyes are, eyes are, outside of Owls, of course, eyes are such a huge um, uh, like motif within the film. It's kind of like that kind of window to someone's soul is kind of... Um, the realness of someone. Yeah, the realness of someone. Oh, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. Also, uh, eyes and animals are a running motif. I guess animals represent a, um, a, a sort of wealth of a person. Do you remember that exotic dancer? Yeah. With a, with a snake? Yeah. Who said this popular line, if like Harrison Ford's character, mm-hmm. I always forget his name. Rick Deckard. Yeah. Rick Deckard. Rick Deckard. <laughs> uh, Rick Deckard asked, asked her if her snake was real. Mm-hmm. And she, she replied with, if I had a real snake, do you think I'd be doing this? And that that's one of the yeah. scenes in the movie that, it's one of the few scenes in the movie that really establishes the relationship that humans and animals have that is really clearly established in the book. Yeah. Well, I think that's, they're kind of hinting at the whole electric sheep idea where animals in the book are like this, precious commodity that because De- doesn't Rick Deckard want to buy an animal for his wife because her, his wife is really depressed and he's just like I just want to earn this money so that I can buy my wife an animal yeah and it's his cute. entire goal for doing the thing because he hates his job in the book yeah. and his entire reason for going on and killing all the Nexus 9s is because he wants to be able to buy his wife a real sheep right. but I just also realized in the second late runner he actually does have a dog and then Ryan Gosling Gosling, goes up to him and is like, is that a real dog? And he's like, well, figure it out. You'll you'll know if you know it. Oh, wow. It's never explained if it is, but it's kind of implied that it's an actual dog because his like robot, Ryan Gosling's robot girl, who is a bit like the Rachel from the new book, I forgot her name. She's not really that important. Well, she is important. She's the Anna Del Mar character who's the new Bond girl. I was also in Knives oh. Out. Yes, we watched Knives Out the other day. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. It's really good. If you want to watch it, I'm down to watch it again. Like it's it, it's honestly possibly in like my top five movies of last year. And last year was so good for movies. I know this is a bit of a tangent, really but was. like there were so many good movies that came out in 2019. Like good job, good job. Yeah, Knives Out is very Murder on the Orient Express. Like it's very just detective, but like in a fun way with like a lot of colors going on. A very smart plot. It was really nice. Well done. I mean, speaking about colors, what did you think of the kind of cinematography? Of, yes, uh, that's that's, that's the main thing subject. I loved. That's a huge subject. Because the only notes I really made on the film was right at the start when I went, oh my God, they, one, they have lightsaber <laughs> umbrellas. And two, yeah. this looks gorgeous. I can't wait to watch it. And then it quickly went downhill. But I still loved the colors and the way it was shot. That was like how I could really see that it kind of felt related to the other films he'd made. Yeah. In a way. And isn't it crazy that it... It was raining so badly in Los Angeles. It was raining the entire time. Cause it's Wait, was actually, it filmed in Los Angeles? No, it's it's set in Los Angeles. 
it's supposed to be Los I Angeles. It seemed like it was more like Tokyo or yeah. Shanghai or something. Yeah, but it, no, it's it's set in Los Angeles. That's interesting. I think in yeah. the book it's supposed to be set in Los Angeles as well. Because doesn't I think Rachel asks Rick to move to Seattle with her. So it's definitely mm. set somewhere in America at least. Yeah. Oh, that's another interesting character change was Rachel in the movie definitely seems to have less independence in a way than she does in the book because in the book it's revealed that she is the one who helped the androids come to earth oh right okay moving on from that (laughs) we just had a break and we don't know what we said last so we're just gonna skip over it and be like whoa new point jonas had a point in a break let's go oh i guess um why i love the film is i'm not sure if um if it's that kind of emphasized in the uh the book but what i loved about the film i think it is yeah yes uh, what I loved about the film was the kind of clear distinction of of the classes um, and the wealthy people against, um, you know, the uh, the poor. Yeah, because that's what's kind of done in the book with how many animals someone has is how rich they are. Yeah. So the his boss has like a bunch of animals and the, uh, the place that makes the robots mm-hmm. has a lot of animals on display. Mm-hmm. Which is where like the last ever made owl or like ever living owl is there. And that's where my obsession with owls started. I absolutely love owls. Yeah. Yeah, I love a good owl. I love a good owl. <laughs> Shout out to Hed- Hedwig. <laughs> Hedwig, <laughs> oh, <no>. my boy. <laughs> Girl? Girl. <laughs> Hedwig, my non-binary owl. <laughs> Up in this place. Yeah, let's not gender our owls, guys. <laughs> no, it's just we Hedwig. We are so tired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are all just sitting here. We're all slowly dying. Everyone's looking at <laughs> I want my third coffee. I've I've only had one, but then I also had two hot chocolates. Oh, have uh, one sip of Amelia's, which was a mocha. Anyway, back to, back the, to the podcast. Yeah. Well, I want to say. Oh, I'm, mm. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say, say it. it. I'm gonna say it. Of speech. <laughs> I loved the music in the movie. That was one of my favorite oh, yeah. parts of the she soundtrack. Made her point. Okay. <laughs> She said what she said. <laughs> I said what I said. The music sounded like you're in space. It was great. And you know the opening scene when he's talking to that random dude that we never see again, I think. And it, oh, I sniffed. I know. Wait. That's fine. Which guy? The the guy at the start who he's talking to and he's like doing the, the officer. test on him. Possibly. That, that's his boss. Is oh. it his boss? I thought it was. Because that's the guy that's like really rich and that's the guy that's like it in the book is bullying him because he can't buy a real sheep and he's saying like no it is a real sheep because he's pretending to the other people that he has a real sheep so they won't see that he's from like a lower class because he doesn't want to like make his wife feel ashamed of it because i don't think his wife knows that's a fake sheep no i don't think she does but it was weird because in my in my head when i was reading the book the sheep was just like a 2d sort of animatronic (laughs) sheep from like a really bad production of something where the sheep was just like, like a cartoon one you know <laughs> you can see it in your head it's just like this 2d cardboard cutout of a sheep no for me it was a real sheep but they had like this little patch of grass in the corner of the room so there was just this sheep completely standing still it was there but just like being a sh- I, I, I pretended to be a sheep i know that this is not a video like a video kind of thing but just imagine me Sticking my arms out, <laughs> being a sheep. You know how it is. I, I felt the Oscar it. goes too. <laughs> the vision was there. I f- fully fell for it. <laughs> She's a sheep. But De- debatably a better performance than Rene Zellweger and Judy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> better than his speech, at least. 
God, that was painful. <laughs> what did you guys think of um, Joaquin uh, Phoenix's speech about veganism? I mean, yeah, I I enjoyed it actually. I I enjoyed that it made everyone feel bad. Yeah. yeah, I like how it was like, because he started off being like, the environment, guys. And everyone was like, woo, the environment. We love that shit. And then he was like, then why the fuck do you drink milk? And he, everyone was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think when I was hearing it the first time, I kind of mm-hmm. thought to myself that, oh, maybe this isn't the right time. But then I started thinking that the more people speak about issues like that, yeah, the more clearly become to the general society exactly because like he had all his other speeches at like the BAFTAs and stuff but you can really tell that he left like his most intense one for the Oscars and I really liked how he didn't just do the thing where it's like empowerment equality and everyone's going to clap anyway because everyone knows that it's right and everyone's like yeah we try and do this but then this is really something that challenged the people in the audience as well and not just the people outside of the audience absolutely so I really supported that he also wore the same suit to every award show he went to this entire season because he wanted to be more sustainable so we love that for him doesn't surprise me yeah mm. it's great yeah. I, I was fully prepared to hate him and the speech I saw at the Baptist and the speech I saw at the Oscars to have fully changed my mind on him as a person yeah. the baseball I haven't seen Joker and I don't know if I plan to but I think as a person he seems like a fairly decent guy for someone in Hollywood so yeah, yeah. No, I think you should watch the Joker. Um, I, 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 I think his performance. Mm-hmm, it didn't. Com- I mean, in in some ways, it didn't compare to Heath Ledger. Yeah. Because Heath Ledger was great. Uh, yeah, and he actually he died the, for yeah. the character. Yeah. Um, but Joaquin did a really good job. With he that. did as good as he could. It's just yeah. I wasn't the biggest fan of the film. Yeah. For I just. Like, it was exactly what I expected and nothing exactly. about it really blew me away. Like, I watched it and I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I expected the film to be. It was good. Fair enough. But it wasn't spectacular to me. I Same thing with his performance. It was good, but it was just acting like a non-normal person. And I always felt maybe acting a real person is harder than just portraying someone who's crazy. But I have no acting experience, so I don't really know. No, but I, I, th- I think you're, I think you're, you know, you have your point. I think you're right, you know, yeah. in a way. But also, um, his film didn't, uh, Joker didn't compare at all to the films that were nominated for Best Picture. The best Picture, yeah, yeah. Best Motion Picture. Yeah, no, I agree. It had no chance there. No. However, Blade Runner. <laughs> oh yeah, the Blade Runner. That's great what we're film, here, guys. Um, I think Harrison Ford did a great job. <laughs> no, but this is Amelia pointed this out to me. He has a trope of playing questionable people in films. He's definitely very. His actions towards women, even if you think about like Princess Leia, or and if you think about um, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones in particular, if like those three characters, Rick Deckard, Indiana Jones, Han Solo, probably his three like his three most famous performances as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you think about those three people and you think about his attitudes towards women as those characters, they are questionable at best. Yeah. Oof. Um, that was yeah. my contribution. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Bah. <laughs> bah. I'm a sh- on all levels except physical. I'm a sheep. <laughs> bah. <laughs> Sorry, make your point. Oh. And that's gonna be the opening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was just gonna say that um, he's not a very kind of hero, hero-like hero in the film. Yeah, it's kind of um, relatable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you know all heroes are, are flawed, but. I think I like that though. I liked how he yeah. was just like a normal 
a working class hero. I guess that plays with the with notion of whether or not he is a replicant. Yeah. Because he does have empathy. And also, in the end, he doesn't die. Like, the guy doesn't kill him. No. He also doesn't... Him. He doesn't... Does he? No, he also doesn't die in the second one. Does he? Yeah. I'm having serious doubts about this. You tell me. He doesn't die. I'm, I'm just going to say, he doesn't die in the second one. Editing mm -hmm. Laura can jump in here and be like, you bitch. He doesn't die. Hi, this is Editing Laura here. And... Um, I was right. He, in fact, does not die. Woohoo! But wait, but the the kind of silver fox guy, his name's Rory, right? The creepy sex guy? Yeah. Robot? Yeah, the creepy, yeah. yeah. The creepy sex robot. I mean, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's his official name in the film. Credit is ass. <laughs> yeah, the creepy sex robot. He He goes on a mission. His mission is to kill humans, and he doesn't kill him yeah because he does he that's not his mission in the book which is in the in the film he gets like thoroughly beat up like every single mm. time he sees one of the robots he gets his ass kicked but in the book it's a lot more of like an intellectual struggle between him and the robots he's i don't know he's less of an assassin he's really he's really conflicted if he wants to kill the robots or not because they're so human that he feels bad doing it and whereas I get that they do that in the film because if it just had him staring at a robot mm. for like 10 seconds being like, mm, I'm going to do this. It wouldn't make as good of a film. Like just him yeah. like contemplating life for 10 seconds and be like, yeah, yeah, pew. you know, mm. wouldn't be the same. So I get that they make it more of a fight because it is like they have to keep people to watch and stuff. What? It definitely makes sense that way for cinematography. Thank so, you. Oh, cinematography. Yeah, like... Yeah. I don't even Any know of those words. words. Like, You're the film student. Oh, you mean, wait, you mean like just storytelling? <laughs> yeah, like to make it make sense on yeah. the screen. Whereas in the book, you can see like his thought process. Whereas in the film, if you're just showing him like fight them, then you definitely can show that he's fighting them. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I'm really not making sense. No, that was the fight of like, you have a dream, but you have a dream. And then, you know, you, you dream and then you really want to do something. And you, and you really want to, and you really want to do it. And you just. <laughs> that was Renee Selweg in an Oscar speech. <laughs> I used to be obsessed with Renee Zellweger. We found out, I found out, you knew she's American. Yeah, she is. She is. She has a Bridget really Jones? British She's from accent. Texas. She just <laughs> has she does a really good British accent though. Yeah. She is really good. But what were we also talking she about? She looks so English. Yeah, she does. She looked great last night. She doesn't look that Botoxed anymore. Yeah. Um yeah, but she she looks super young. Like yeah. I remember seeing like very recent pictures of her. And she looks better than she did in like, she, like yeah. Jones times. That's what that's why like we we thought that she had taken some of her Botox out because now she looks more human than she did before. She could be in Blade Runner. <laughs> is Renee Zellweger a replicant? An <laughs> <laughs> Wait, see, I love how we refer. I refer to them as replicants, and you guys refer to them as androids. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. I, I definitely Wait, no, but in the book they also call them. Do they call them androids or do they call them replicants? I think they call the beasts androids. I think they call it both, but I might be wrong. No, I guess they are both. I call them yeah. robots, replicants. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a good term. What yeah. were we talking about? We had a point, and you were gonna say something, and then I interrupted you. Oh my god. Um, no clue. Okay, we were talking about Harrison Ford. Oh, that's right. I think I, I was just gonna reiterate the fact that. It's kind of unclear if 
he's empathetic because deep inside he thinks that he is an android oh. or if he's or if it's just kind of his human emotions coming through but humans oh, that makes true like he will feel bad because he is one of them yeah. so he doesn't want to kill his own species yeah because when he does that test on rachel rachel yeah. asks him if has um, he ever done it on himself have you ever done, done it on yourself yeah so kind of and his hesitating reaction to it i guess kind of revealed a lot i think he might know yeah if he's because he has not. some he has some questioning thoughts about it but i never like in my brain he never really was an actual android to mm. me, it always just seemed like a like a person, but maybe just yeah. because I thought it was Harrison Ford, so to me, it was like, that's Harrison Ford. Yeah. Also, it to me, when I was watching the film, it could be a part of Star Wars when they just come down to a specific planet and this happened, and then it. he just fucks off and goes back to, like, I don't know, far, far away. Is this our new headcanon that <laughs> Blade Runner is a Star Wars spinoff? Rogue One, Solo, and Blade Runner. <laughs> no, guys, th- there's already so many unanswered questions with the film. Uh, it, I kind of hate. Don't you? Don't you like hate when directors do that? When they just kind of like the way that like Christopher Nolan endings. did with Inception. Yeah, yeah. open endings. Oh I'm, yeah. I'm kind of. I get she that she hasn't f- seen Inception. Oh, I get that the film like lives on, and that's the whole point. But it kind of pisses me off. I yeah, I agree. But then again, would we be able to do this if it wasn't? Would you be able to do your degree if it wasn't for like fakeness in film? And like open stuff because we have the same thing in ambiguity. <laughs> we have the same thing in literature. Yeah, you know. <laughs> no, we'll keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know that's a good point. But um, we're actually doing Inception for one of my courses Ooh. that speaks about film form. That's great. Yeah, but but is know. it as complicated as Little Women? <laughs> I'm so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Did you see? Um, did you see? Oh, what's her name? What is her name? From Little Woman? No. Oh my God, she's a she's a model. She's an actress. Margot Robbie? No, not Margot Robbie. She wore that coat with every. Oh, Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. <laughs> my wife, absolutely. Yes. Uh, also linking to Star Wars, yeah, the prequels. Yeah, but also <laughs> the, 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 the 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 statement was so low so key and good. so kind of yeah, like elegant. very classy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. She looked gorgeous. She looked like, absolutely she's gorgeous. She's thirty eight. Yeah. I want a lot like that at 38, I swear. Yeah, but then when she went on stage, she removed the code, and I was like, why are you doing this? This yeah, is your... Yeah, but also because she was there with Timothy Chalamet. She was. And he had to do the Oscar for the screenplay, which they did not get yeah. absolutely robbed, but... Yeah. Yeah, no, because there was a thing that the voters for that Academy actually said that Little Woman wasn't one of the director ones because they had to keep a score with what they were watching because they couldn't follow the film. And I'm sorry, but... Inception was nominated for eight and won four Oscars, which is clearly a more complicated film than Little Woman. Oh my god. I, I tweeted about it very angrily quite a bit. I think what's really, really confusing to them is female power or it's just female. <laughs> you could have just, just stopped at that. Just, it's just yeah, female. Just females. Just yeah. or as Sir Sharona likes to say that women. <laughs> women. <laughs> they ain't that little. <laughs> Well, I loved it. Oh, yeah. A friend of um, Charlotte had a friend of hers and they were talking about the film. And it was like, yeah, what's the film? The one with the small girl. <laughs> <laughs> I just think this is great. They're just really, really tiny, minuscule, <laughs> minuscule girls. <laughs> the one with the small girls. It makes it sound so wrong. <sighs> oh, completely demolishes the film. <laughs> 
have we even mentioned Blade Runner? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, let's go back to Blade Runner, you guys. Oh yeah, I also had another joke. Yeah. It's not really a joke. I just realized how bad it is. But I was walking downhill with Charlotte and I really had to pee. And we were talking about it. It was like, it could be a bladder runner. But that's it. <laughs> Sorry to headphone users. <laughs> that's it. That's the entire joke. Oh, I love it. Oh, I yeah. yeah I, I had another one. That. Oh, yes. Okay. Imagine he comes up to Rachel and she goes, these are not the droids you're looking for. Yes, Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's it's, it's the quote from Star Wars. When he goes and he goes. These have you not seen Star Wars? I have seen Star Wars. Oh. I've only okay. I've only seen for the Force Awakens. That's not Star Wars. This is when <laughs> when he goes up to like the droid. That's, no, what do you mean that's not Star Wars? <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> it's not the original. <laughs> but he goes up to like the the people and he goes like, he does the force like the real. Th- is it like the first? I think it's a new hope. No, it is. It's no, definitely no. a new hope. Is it like the first sign of the force in the film? Is what I'm no, because you have Darth Vader beforehand. Uh, that's true. But, but it's like the first time you see regularly using yeah. it. Yeah. And he goes to the. He tries to convince them, and he does like the force, and goes, "These are not the droids you're looking for." And it's just oh, powerful. No, I always have these conversations with people about Star Wars. And I know I we've like had them so many times about by Carrie Fisher <laughs> at work. <laughs> Yeah, it's just uh, everyone says that the first films shouldn't be watched. The prequels. The prequels. No, I disagree. The sound speech is great. Okay. It's one of the most awful moments in cinema, but it's Christian Anderson. Is it Anderson? Anderson? Christian Henderson? Christian Anderson. Hayden Christensen. That's it. With go. Natalie Portman. And he just goes, he strokes her back softly while standing in a desert. And he goes, I don't like sand. It's coarse, rough irritating and it gets everywhere and then he does a little thing because it's not soft like here or like stroking her back oh sexy so we just took a break to show jonas the f- that part of the movie so and, yeah and now he knows now he knows <laughs> <laughs> i definitely know it i've definitely seen it before yeah it is very famous it's next to the you know the uh the room kind of little uh, of the room yeah the oval scene with it oh hi it's, mark oh, <laughs> it's the same vibe yeah oh hi mark oh hi mark <laughs> But you you really, well, you like the film mm. enough. Why? I think it was, I'm a sucker for, have you guys ever seen Lost in Translation? Yes. No, it's kind of like. I haven't. It's kind of like that feeling of. Like being lost. That yeah, sounds really stupid, but yeah. But also I love how it's more about where they're living than about the actual story. Because there's so many mm-hmm. shots that actually not not much happens in them. It just you know you just see the uh, the street market or the fire and the homeless people outside and the rain. It's not like the story, more like how massively it's done. Uh, yeah, how yeah, it's exactly. It's more of a visual. I think what pleased me the most is the kind of visual aspects of it than the actual story. Sometimes the the story is quite simple, in yeah. a way. That's what disappointed me a bit about the book. How it's like. You kind of know what's going to happen from the start. Like, I know it's a classic, but mm, I just had really high hopes purely for the fact that it was such a classic. And then I watched it. I was like, this is okay. Mm. Like, it's fine. One of the things I did appreciate about the book was that it did such a good job of world building in such a small space of time that I definitely understood the society, possibly within the first few chapters. And definitely by like halfway through the book, I understood what was going on. I understood why everyone stood within the like structure of the society and i i don't know whether it was lost in the movie or whether it was just that it was different and my brain couldn't quite comprehend it but 
I do feel like it is possibly done, and it's probably because you can see inside Rick Deckard's mind, but you, it, it does feel like it's a little bit more fleshed out in the book. Yeah. The main difference for that for me was like the mental part is that in the book they have a phone line that they can call to change their own mood. So they'll call someone and they will get like a little speech in the air, yes. which will change how they're feeling. So when oh. he leaves his wife and his wife is not happy, he'll be like, call 331 and she will. And then she'll be like really happy or like really depressed from afterwards. Right. Which I feel like was something that they could have easily done in the film, but they didn't, which kind of confused me. <laughs> hmm? If only they read the book. Yeah, God, <laughs> that, that explains it actually. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast title will just be like, Ridley Scott did not <laughs> read the book, did he? <laughs> no, that's because the rest of the film is so similar. In so many ways. That's yeah. actually really surprising, yeah. I think the screenwriters read the book, but I don't think Ridley Scott as a director read the book. Oh, but I mean, it's, so it's more about the director than yeah. the screenwriter. Yeah, so maybe they just filmed it, and he was like, what's that? Cut that out. That's not yeah. in the script. Not important. But yeah. Then, yeah. No, but I see what you mean there. I think it's really... That yeah, kind of convinced me there. Because mm. I think the best part about the film is not the plot, but like the world. And the world yeah. is really well done, so I don't really care if Harrison Ford's character is not my favourite harrison ford character even close yeah but yeah that that is really good actually yeah mm. i can't think of a single character that i actually liked in the film that's true mm. yeah yeah i i liked i did like rachel i think yeah i think probably She's rachel was my favorite character in the film but in mm. the book she has a lot more depth to her in that he has this friend what's his name phil Yes, Phil. Mm. They kind of hate each other, but they kind of end up being friends. And Phil's plan to sort of overcome his morality is to have sex with the androids before he kills them. Which is why Rick, who has this attraction to Rachel, he sleeps with her in the book and then attempts to kill her. And she turns around and she's like, well, this is my plan. I get everyone to try and sleep with me and no one can continue hunting androids after they sleep with me other than this one guy phil oh wow yeah i really um, i really want to read the book now i love reading books but i usually i'll I'll give it to you yeah Yeah. please yeah Yeah. and it's such a smart title as you said yeah that was like my favorite but i get that they did not give the film that title because i couldn't the first eight times i believe that amelia taught me what the title was i thought she was saying completely different words because she says it in a really quick way of like, do I a dream of electric sheep? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, let's do that book. I had no clue what she was talking about. And then she did like Blade Runner. It's like, oh, let's read Blade Runner. And she's like, yeah, that's the book I've been talking about this entire time. And I was like, I had no clue here. <laughs> yeah, I wish they, yeah, I wish they stuck with the same title, but you know. Yeah, but it just would not have been doable. They could have done like, mm. do Android Dream. <laughs> yeah, but the, the electric, do Android Dream of an- Dreaming of electric sheep, maybe? Hmm. Not as catchy. I feel like it sounds more like an independent film than like a How about, big. Yeah, no, I see that. Or my, my suggestion: counting electric sheep. Okay. I see that, but it sounds less like a a thing a white boy would jack off to. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing personal very here. Offended. <laughs> not a personal thing here. You're you're not the kind of type to jack off to Rachel, I believe. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> Although she is kind of like a femme fatale kind of character. Yeah. I am obsessed. But it's the the kind of I person where, like, if you ask them what their favorite film is and they go Fight Club and then are like, I don't know what different films. <laughs> My favorite films are Fight Club and Pulp Fiction and Blade Runner. <laughs> and it, it's just, you know what I mean, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Every film student first year of college. Like, and if it was called Electric Sheep, they they would not, because it doesn't sound no. as cool to be like, yeah, um, Pulp Fiction and Electric Sheep. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
the kind of guy who hated the last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Me, <laughs> I am that guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're working on it. Should we? Should we round it off? Do we have anything else to say? I don't think so. I had such a good time, you guys. Yeah. yeah. That's it. This has been fun. Maybe we should talk to each other more often. God. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for um, having me. Yeah, of course. Any, any, I was going to say any time, but <laughs> I think we just have one guest each time, so not really. I mean, <laughs> this one should know, go. <laughs> maybe, maybe you'll join me next time in my podcast. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, probably not going to have a podcast. I don't just know. Just about I'll films. About. Just about films? Yeah. Maybe. Do you have anything that you want to plug? To all of our eight uh, listeners. Uh, oh, um, many, many, many listeners. <laughs> um, just uh, keep on dreaming, guys. Keep on dreaming. Wow. Of electric yeah. sheep. <laughs> electric sheep. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Dream big and make it happen. Yeah. There you go. And I've been very inspirational. That's yeah. that's nice. Have a little, little life lesson yeah. in the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, that was the second episode if you liked it you can follow us on instagram at time to collective you can also listen to this on well i mean you're listening to it right now but if that was difficult for you we're on itunes podcasts and acast and if you're in america you can listen to google play but the uk and the netherlands and any other places that you guys could be does not indeed have google play podcasts but we are on there so if you're ever traveling to america or canada <laughs> enjoy <laughs> besides that you can Follow us on Instagram for other updates that are more frequent than monthly. Or join us next month for... Yeah, next month is the Guernsey Literary Potato Peel Pie Society, which Come is again. our book for March, which is an amazing movie as well. This is one of the ones where I've seen the movie and I love the movie. It's one of my favourites. Yeah. Why do we have the two longest titles next to each other? That's my question, Laura. Wait, it's Guernsey Literary mm. and Potato Peel Pie. So a pie made of potato peels right. in a society. You'd love the film. It's Lily James. <gasps> and Michiel Huisman, who is Dutch. Damn. Yeah. I don't know who this guy is, but... I mean, you'll recognize him, yeah. probably. He was also in other films. Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's cool. But that's next month. So if you're into that kind of stuff, if you like Lady James, I mean, don't we all? Yeah, Lady James. Also, special thanks to Anna who does our sound and this time also Henry who set everything up for us they put effort in it even when they don't have to and we really appreciate it thank, thank you thank you we appreciate you thank you Anna and yeah, Henry they were really really professional yeah, yeah. They, they know their stuff and to Insanity Radio here on the Royal Holloway campus yeah. tune into them without them we wouldn't have a studio <laughs> yeah the next episode will be joined by Chloe and Freya some old friends from Amelia who I'd say Ooh. are now also my friends yeah yay <laughs> <laughs> that was this month's episode uh we hope you enjoyed and as philip k dick says goodbye and we'll see you in the past ba, 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 da, ba. <laughs>